Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stebbin Podcast. This is episode 181. Micah, can you believe we're at 181 episodes on this no. podcast? I, I didn't know how many we were up to, but no. <laughs> 181. And and I and I think it's actually longer because when I first started the podcast, we were known as it was me and my buddy Ryan, and we did it as theology and backgammon. And then when he kind of moved to Florida, and then it was just myself doing all the podcasts and no one was helping me. This was years ago. I just switched it over from theology and backgammon to the Scott Simon podcast and just changed the name. So um yeah. So 181 episodes. So that's which we're gonna hit two hundred pretty soon. Probably by the end of the year. Yeah, by the end of the year we're gonna hit two hundred. And I don't know, should we do like a special prize? Would anybody care if we did a prize for the two hundred? No, we'll get like a we'll get like a random guest. Yeah, we have to start work working for like a random guest. Like you'll be how about Mark Driscoll? We'll get him on our show. <laughs> or Carl Lentz. I was gonna say Bill Gaither. Oh man, if we could get Bill Gaither for the 200th episode of the Scott Seven Podcast, that would be great. You probably have more connections to Bill Gaither than I do. The only connection I have to Bill Gaither is we're both in the same social club from Anderson, so I can have some connection with him through there. But other than that, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean i I played on the same stage as Bill, um, but that was years ago. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't seen him in forever. Apparently, it was uh, at um, seminary at Anderson a couple of weeks ago. He oh. they did like a during the chapel time. He did like a little talk about worship and their journey through songwriting and stuff. So him and Gloria oh, were cool. they were at the chapel in Anderson a couple of weeks ago, right before school ended. No, I know uh, Gloria. When I was at Anderson, Gloria Gaither spoke about worship and stuff, and it was really good. Like. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know, I mean, it's like, you know, you always hear Bill Gloria Gaither, but then you, then you hear their music and you're like, okay. And then you hear her speak about something passionately, passionately about worship and, and everything. And it's just like, wow, like probably one of my favorite, like probably one of my most memorable um, AU chapel services I've had in my four years I was there. So, and there's some good ones. There's a lot of great people who spoke there, but yeah, that was definitely one of the highlights Rebecca St. James was another one when she spoke there. <laughs> she played a little song. She had a concert right on Labor Day and no one was there because everybody went home. And to, to be fair, Anderson just kind of randomly announced that, like we didn't even know she was coming to play. Hmm. But she was playing a song and it was a song about, you know, meeting, you know, about someday meeting her future husband or something. And a guy from the audience goes, I'm right here. oh gosh but i don't even know i'm sure she heard it she just probably ignored it just kept going (laughs) but yeah episode 181 and we're actually going to be doing a film for thought which i was looking back through the archives i haven't done a film for thought since episode 80 so it's been at least over 100 episodes 101 episodes to be exact since I've last did a film for thought, and this will be your very first one doing it with me. So mm. you nervous? No. <laughs> it's well, 
considering our themes guardians of the galaxy 3 and we're big into the nerd scene and you know yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a regular co-host on the nerd talk with jordan holstead podcast like we actually just recorded our guardians of the galaxy 3 review over the weekend so it's it's fresh on the brain so i'm not awesome really cool. nervous all right well, <laughs> i'm more nervous I'm with nervous. the the concept behind the what you're what we're going to do since this is my first one but not about the movie because i love the movie yeah, absolutely. So um, before we go into that, stories gone wild. Micah, do you have a story for us this week? I do. It um, doesn't involve hand sanitizer. It doesn't. It does not. Um, my hands are clean. <laughs> I wash my hands of thee. <laughs> I'm washing. <laughs> I'm washing it, Pontius Pilate. I'm just. I'm... <laughs> Gonna wash my hands clean of this. Uh, no. Um, so yesterday we, it, it's kind of weird this whole, and I've shared my journey about kind of stepping back from leadership in a church and kind of being the civilian pastor and uh, kind of getting back into going to church on a regular basis in person and visiting churches. And my wife and I have recently found um the Presbyterian church in town, we knew people there and we felt like it was going to be a safe place for us to go and, and kind of rest and, and be a part of community there. And, um, but one of the things that's kind of hard for me is that like, you know, when you're on and Scott, you know, this, when you're on a team or on a staff at a church, you have to be at the church at the crack of dawn on Sunday mornings. Like you're there turning the lights on and getting everything ready to go and making sure that, the air's turned on when it's 90 degrees outside. You're making sure that slides are loaded and that the sound and lights and all that stuff is ready to go for, for your service. And so one of the big things for me has that has been an adjustment has been going to church like when it starts. You know what I mean? Like, so if service starts at 10, you show up at, you know, 9.58 and walk in at 10, um, 10.30, you know, 11, whenever the service starts. And so for me, that's just so bizarre because my whole life it's been, you got to be there early, got to be there before church starts. Um, whether it's being a pastor's kid or a pastor on staff, it's always been there. Uh, I've always been there early. And so yesterday, um, being Mother's Day, we um, got up, got dressed. We were going to go to the coffee shop in town and we noticed that it was closed. And so traditionally small businesses will close on, you know, the smaller holidays, not Christmas. And I guess I don't even, what would a small holiday be? Father's Day, Mother's Day, Labor Day, Labor yeah. Day, things like that. So like we didn't know if they were going to be closed or not. And so we showed up and I'm like, I hope they're not closed. And so sure enough, you know, they're closed. And so there's our Starbucks up in Kroger, which is about 10 minutes up the road from us. And I was like, we'll just go to Starbucks. And so it's already 10 o'clock. Church starts at 1030. Sure enough, we get to Kroger and everybody and their brother is buying flowers and Starbucks for their mom for Mother's uh, Day. Yeah. And so Alicia texted me and was like, it's going to be a little bit. <laughs> I was like, great. Just get it. We'll, we'll, we'll be a few minutes late to church. So here's where my story's gone wild comes into play. Um, we, we walk into the church at like 1032. Service starts at 1030. And they're singing the first song. Of, of the worship service. There's no words on the screen. And for me, that's bizarre from a production standpoint and the worship leader standpoint. I'm like, I wonder if, cause like I set up their tech booth. Like I, I did a, a bid for them a couple of years ago and got them new cameras and got them um, 
a new computer per presenter, all that stuff. And I was like, I wonder if something's wrong with their, um, their tech setup. I wonder if something's wrong with per presenter. Cause you know, per presenter inevitably puts updates out, you know, Saturday night right before church starts. Yeah. Um, so like they're singing it as well with my soul. And I'm like, why is there no words on the screen? But everybody has their hymnals out. And I'm like, why? Something's got to be wrong. So we get the bulletins. We'll pull the bulletins open. And it says worship song one, worship song two, worship song three. And they all say to be selected by a mother's choosing. Oh, okay. So they so they went through and like oldest mother here, pick, pick the first song. Uh, youngest mother here, pick this, pick, you know, mother with the most grandchildren or great grandchildren. And by the way, there was a woman there who had 48 great grandchildren. Jeez. 48. So we're like singing and we're like singing song one and song two. And I turn around and look at one of the guys who I know who's on, I think their board of elders or whatever they call their, um, their, their board of trustees or whatever they're called. Um, and he was like, he's like, don't look at me. I, this is all new. They've never done this before. (laughs) And I was like, this is very strange for me because you know, like literally, John. John's their worship leader. He's a he plays. Um, he's an accompanist. He's a piano player. He he's been playing piano mm-hmm. his whole life. He's he teaches at Miami. He has a master's degree in music education and just a phenomenal player. And I was just thinking to myself, man, I don't know, Scott, pick up random him. Child of God. Like if he didn't know child of God, he had to pull the hymn open and sight read on the spot. Right. It was literally just him sight reading whatever songs, whatever those folks picked. Um, and I was just like, this is so strange. And Alicia's like, could you do that? And I'm like, not a chance. Cause I couldn't just, I mean, granted the majority of them were hymns. I think they were all hymns. Um, yeah, I couldn't. I think one I think one of the moms said good good father and I was like that's mother's day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're a good good mother. Yeah, I was like you could, that's exactly where my brain went. You good good mother is still a good good father. But yeah, it was uh, not necessarily stories on stories on wild but it was like wow, what a it's a cool idea like let let, let it be interactive with the congregation oh, and yeah. um you know, let's let's pick let's pick the music today instead of uh, having it prepared, which is so. Yeah, that's. I mean, if, if you can, if you have the people who can pull it off, like I could even think if a worship band <clears throat> wanted to do the same thing, they would basically would have to have like a music stand or a software where it's like, okay, we're gonna type in the words, pull it up hit it, it all syncs up to everyone's iPads. Now everyone can kind of play along to this. But if you're used to having a track, then it's going to drive the person up in the booth insane because how can you go, okay, we're going to pull this track, especially if they're picking uh, more modern songs than uh, traditional songs. Well, and like, you know, you're exactly right. But like at their <clears> setup, they have like six to eight people that are like on a praise team to sing. And then yeah. they have they have the piano and that's it, right? So like um, they do blended worship but like for what you're saying um i think that they kind of narrowed it down to hymns right because he had the hymn he had the hymn book and then john was like turn to page 178 um or whatever and he was able to sight read so like like but people were spouting off like you know how great thou art it is well um 
what mighty god we serve i don't know i'm, I'm making it up at this point but like mm-hmm. it, yeah. but i all the props in the world to john because i i could have not like <laughs> right i mean like you said it was just i think if anything it showed people how much uh goes into like you know making words happen on screens and um having people be prepared for for singing whether it's the 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 praise team or the musicians um yeah it's uh not only that but like it, for a team for a church that you, you know traditionally does um you have to pick the keys of whatever song you're singing right oh, so, yeah. like, so if i did you know um uh, graves in the gardens and i'm doing that in the key of b you know, not everybody's going to know that. And so it's, it's a, it was an interesting concept. So what about you? Do you have, did your church catch on fire? Were there smoke signals? Um, no. Did you guys so, film, film the crazy murder uh, mystery movie for your student ministry or? That's not until June 2nd. We got to finally, they're able to find a date for it. So, yeah. Um, did you buy the new Zelda game? I did. Is that your story's gone wild? No. So here's my story's gone wild. So it involves Mother's Day. It definitely involves Mother's Day. Uh, okay. Interesting. Um, sorry. Uh, man, everything's just going crazy for me right when I'm recording. Breaking news. Yeah. But so... We had a Mother's Day dance. It was something new that we're going to do. And it was an event that my uh, family ministry team was putting on. So we have this old fellowship hall with like wood floors downstairs in the basement of the church. Uh, and then we have the youth lounge that kind of goes right off it. That used to be uh, the old kitchen before they moved it upstairs. Uh, so we ended up decorating. So the youth lounge, we had some tables set up for people to sit and eat. There's like a chalkboard down there that kids can like draw stuff on there that was like a chalkboard wall. And then we went and we did like a photo backdrop so families could get their photo taken. So good stuff. A uh, lot, of, lot of fun. So I was going through the playlist. And when I was setting up the playlist, I had some issues because I have an old DJ mixing, a mixer with like the knobs and stuff to do beats matching and scratching. So... I was trying to get that up, and first problem is, is it's not my computer's not recognizing it because the firmware is old. Tried to update the firmware, and they're saying we they can't do it because uh, for whatever reason. So I'm looking at troubleshooting stuff, and they're telling me I have to go load up my console onto the a computer that I originally installed everything on, and then update it through there, and then plug it into my new computer. So I'm like, do I still have that computer? Because this would be, that computer would be three computers ago. Sure enough, I went into storage. I still had that computer. So I booted up with Windows XP on it and was able to update my controller so I can actually do stuff for this thing and actually use my mixer. So good. And then I'm selecting song choices. So I'm going through my list of like good, like good, fun, family, clean songs both from a Christian and a secular songs. And then I begin to think about, well, 
let me go on Apple Music and let me just go ahead and just check and see if there's any like curated playlist. So they have like, oh yeah, family dance party. Okay. And I'm looking through some of these songs and there's a bunch of kids bop songs on there, which I'm I have a policy, no kids bop on my playlist. Cause if if you have to make a kids up version of a song, it means that the original song is definitely not great. Um that's kind of been my policy, I guess. So I'm going through and I'm going through and then I see a song and I see a song. And I see the titles like, OK, I know that song. I've heard it on the radio a couple of times. Seems OK. And then there's no like E on there for explicit or anything. So I'm like, all right. I throw it on my playlist. So we're going, we're having a dance, we're playing music. Kids are making requests. One kid wanted to request Europe's The Final Countdown. So I played that. I don't know how you dance to it, but it was just like da, 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 da. <laughs> but we get to the last like fourth of the night because it's only a two hours from five to seven. And I start playing this song and I'm like, okay. And I'm listening to it. And then all of a sudden it gets to the chorus, and I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, wait, what'd he say? And then I hear it again, and they say it again, and immediately I grab the fader, I fade out, I turn up my microphone, I go, ladies and gentlemen, we have a few more songs before we're going to close out tonight, but just a reminder, I just start going through the announcements to cut out the song. So then I go and I start playing the final couple songs, and I have it on auto spin, so then I don't have to be behind there, and I go and get something to eat, and I'm talking to some parents there, and I go... And they're saying like, oh, this is so great, wonderful. We had, we're having a great time. I'm like, oh, that's great. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, we have the Father's Day dance coming up next month. And I can tell you one song I'm not going to be putting back on the playlist. And they just started laughing. <laughs> it's, and so we start talking about how sometimes it's like, well, we don't know like what songs are appropriate to, or if they're even appropriate. It's like, I know sometimes it's like, I think this is okay, but let me do the lyric check real quick. And for that song, I didn't because I'm like, well, there's no E and I've heard it on the radio like a bunch of times. I don't think there's anything wrong with this song. And because I didn't check it, I should have because I would have found out that, yeah, probably not a song to be playing, not only at a family dance party, but at a family dance party at a church. So, so yeah, so A Cake by the Ocean is not on my playlist anymore. Remember, remember in the '90s when that you could buy albums and they would have just everything beeped out. Oh yeah, the clean version instead of the. Uh, I think you could still get those. I mean, I've seen some, but I think those are kind of few and far between now. Because it's like, well, why do that? You could get the kids' bop version, which, I mean, if you're in a Christian family, you have a teenager who wants to listen to like, I don't know, some rap music or some or like some. Post Malone, and it's like, sorry, kid. Here, here's a kids' bop version of like, uh, <laughs> of Paranoid. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to listen to this song. <laughs> or you know, some of the the music that I grew up listening to. My wife and I have recently, like, I mean, there's a there's really a sense of nostalgia going on right now for the '90s, and um, some of the music, man. There were so many bad, bad albums out there, like. Limp Biscuits, Chocolate Starfish, and the Hot Dog Flavor Water was like one of my favorite albums. And oh every other gosh. word, every other word was the F word. Like there was yeah. one song where the F word was in there like ninety eight times or something like that. It was something crazy. Yeah. Um, I remember getting in trouble for buying Papa Roach's Last Resort album. Oh wow! And uh, because my my dad found out I bought it, and um, 
that song talks about suicide and my my dad didn't want me to hear that as like a, a 10 year old or 11 year old and so i remember buying it and he made me take it back and get my money back <laughs> but, were, how did yeah. they, but how did you buy it like without like the parental yeah <laughs> parent? like people don't people didn't really check like I, I was talking about that the other day with somebody but like you you could go and you get carter to go see a movie you could get carter to go see uh or you could get carter to buy music um I, I i feel like i've reached the age too where it's like well when i was your age i could buy tobacco when i was 18 now it's 21 yeah yeah it's it's so weird like how it time is. has kind of passed us by but it's funny because I'll, i'm talking to my kids now because it seems like there's just a bunch of state testing going on like this month and they start telling me about it. it's like you know when i had to do state testing it was called the proficiency test the ohio proficiency test and if i could pass all four parts in the seventh grade i never had to do any testing again the only time i had to do testing on each of sequential year was if I failed a part and then I had to retake it. And even at, and even if I was a senior and I still failed a part, it wasn't like they held me back or anything. It was just like, okay, well, you're just not really good at English. Like that's pretty much it. They were so like, there really was, I mean, the only incentive was, is if you pass all five parts, you got like a $500 scholarship to a college in Ohio, but like I wasn't going to Ohio, so it didn't really matter to me. I just wanted the free, uh, you know, to leave school for lunch because that was like a privilege, which now it seems like at least the schools in my area, if you're a junior, if you're a junior hired, you can just walk, leave, walk down the main street, get some Chipotle and then walk back to school. Like they don't really care. They just want to make sure you're back in time for class. Um, I know so, we weren't allowed to do any of that stuff. And yeah, like, we weren't allowed to do any. Yeah. I just find it so crazy that nowadays kids can oh yeah it, it's it's yeah it's 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 a weird time man <laughs> there's a lot of changes like they look at us and go man you had so much freedom we look at them like man you have so much freedom <laughs> it depends on what you're talking about but um yeah so let's get to our film for thought we're going to be discussing guardians of the galaxy volume three and i'm sure i'm just going to have to say this as a disclaimer that there may be some spoilers so if that does so if you have not seen guardians of the galaxy three and you don't want anything to be spoiled like micah's poster right there then you may want to just wait bookmark this podcast and then once you see it listen to us as we discuss some of the the themes uh, more of the spiritual themes of um gardens of galaxy so michael what was your take on gardens of galaxy what did you think of the film as a whole um as you know from from nerd talk uh i can be pretty critical of films and as far as rating them um i when jordan and i did the review for this episode or for this film i gave it a nine and a half okay and that's high. Nine and a half out of five stars. Ten. But, <laughs> uh, you need to take the proficiency test again. <laughs> um, I was a blubbery mess, and I cried this entire movie mm. for for various reasons. And um, you know, I've shared, uh, I shared on Jordan's show, but like it was just, it was just an emotional ride. Uh, from start to end and it was definitely a James Gunn film um, mm-hmm. I felt like I felt like I was watching a James Gunn movie and um, 
I read something over the weekend and I sent it to Jordan, but it was like the reason Guardians 3 was so successful was because it was a James Gunn film first mm-hmm. and an MCU film second. And, yeah, I saw that. Um, I saw that quote somewhere and, too. Yeah. 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 So like from from start to finish, uh, I I was just invested in this movie. And um, I, as I said before, there were just like just emotional connections throughout the film. Um, my wife and I have cats and we love animals. And so it was funny because uh, as soon as we got out of the film, I saw on IGN's Instagram, if you if you love animals, you may be sensitive to this film. And I was like, well, thanks for sharing that now. Um, and so like, you know, the the fact that the... Uh, they they tortured animals for science in this movie was mm-hmm. was a little bit jarring for me. Um, the other thing leading up to the film, you know, this being the third installment and, and, and possibly the last of this version of that group of heroes, um, there was a lot of anticipation that characters were going to die in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, it it has been heavily rumored that that Batista will not come back as Drax the Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Um, the Zoe, whatever her name is, that plays Gamora. Sandala, yeah. Uh, she, about a week before the movie was released, announced that she would not be returning as Gamora uh, in the Guardians franchise or the Marvel franchise. She was she was done playing that character. So, like, going into the movie, you're like, okay, uh, Gamora's going to die um, again. And uh, Drax is going to die. And But, you know, from the very beginning of the movie, you're you're almost concerned, like, everybody's going to die like at one point or another. And, and I told Jordan this, but like, I don't ever see, I don't remember ever seeing a movie where they tease basically everybody dying throughout the entire movie. And then nobody dies. It, yeah. it was, it was really weird because it, from right at the, from right at the top, they, they must kill Groot and they must kill rocket. There's a scene where Nebula, um, you know, it looks like Nebula is going to sacrifice herself at the end of the movie. Um, Quill, reenacts the Yondu thing from Guardians 2 where he's in space and, and my wife was oh, like yeah. no please don't kill Quill please don't do this yeah and um like there was just these moments where it just tugged in your heartstrings um and I the, the three so the three things that were emotional for me one was the animal thing mm-hmm. obviously with the whole them experimenting on animals and that they didn't do what they needed to be done they were terminated um, it, they it was almost like slavery, like a a, a slave mm-hmm. trade organization kind of thing, where um, the higher evolutionary was you know holding animals hostage, and if you know they were just his for the um for the taking, and then if they didn't work out, it just you know he killed them, and mm-hmm. it was just it was awful. It was so awful. And at the end of the movie, when Rocket saves all the animals, it was it was wonderful. But uh, the other the second thing was um. When when Drax, Mantis, and Nebula are in that little like cell next to the kids, mm-hmm. and, and Drax um, Drax is relating to the children. And for for those of you that are keeping score, um, in the first Guardians, we learned we learned that Thanos kills um, Drax's wife and daughter. And so for the entire MCU, like for the entire run that Drax has had, his um, his goal is to just kill Thanos and get revenge for the death of his, his daughter and his wife. Um, and they're in, in the cell in guardians three and 
Nebula says this profound thing, and she's like, Drax, I don't see, I don't, I no longer see you as Drax the Destroyer. I see you as mm-hmm. Drax the dad, and that just ripped my heart out of my chest. Mm. And, um, you know, I I don't know if I shared on this show or not, but, you know, my wife and I have had infertility issues and um, have had trouble having children over the last couple of years and have not had children and have all, all been told that we're, we're probably not going to have children on our own uh, with without either medical help or, or adopting slash fostering. And so when, when she was like, Drax, you're not the destroyer, you're Drax the dad. I just sobbed audibly in the theater, just sobbed. And then finally, the third thing was um, when Quill goes back to see his grandfather, I lost my grandfather in 2016. Mm. And so when he goes back to see his grandfather, I just, I just lost it. I had, I'd already cried this entire movie. (laughs) And then by the end of the movie, when he goes to see his grandfather, um, I was, I was just done. I was a hot mess. So, um, but it was just, it was just an emotional journey. It was a story that um, was very well told. And um, I think there's a reason that James Gunn is, is going to be the the front runner for the, for the DCEU moving forward. And that's, there's a reason he got that job. So what, what yeah. were your thoughts? I mean, it wasn't I, I mean, like you fell asleep during your cruise ship for quantum mania. And yeah, it wasn't well, like you didn't get in for Wakanda forever. You actually got to go see this movie. Well, no, I actually did see it. Finally, I did get to watch Wakanda forever. Oh, I mean, yeah. I had to watch on Disney Plus, but I was shocked that nothing got spoiled for me waiting that whole time. What so, did you think of that one? Wakanda Forever? I, I liked it. I felt there were some parts that kind of, you know, I was just like, okay, you know, let's I go. It, I liked the movie, but it was too long. It was like three hours. It was almost three hours. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. And I, that's the thing. I don't know if it was long because of time or if it was long because there were some like dead spots in the movie and I just felt like nothing was progressing. We're just mm-hmm. kind of like, stewing a little bit and not like stewing like an anticipation but stewing because like okay why are we having this scene right now we could have been moving on uh but this one you know if i think about you know phase four i know a lot of people criticize phase four like because there's some films i liked in phase four but i mean shang chi was probably my number one film of the phase four um yeah, Guardians 3 is probably going to be my top contender for, you know, the best film of Phase 5. Um, so, I mean, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I think it was just a great conclusion to great conclusion to the Guardians, you know, like you say, the Guardians as we know it. Um, That's here. what the title should have been, the Guardians as we know it. <laughs> Guardians as we know it. Um, yeah, but it was one of those things where you watch it and you're like, okay. And I mean, I think it was one of probably maybe, I think it's probably like maybe some of the most intense, probably maybe the most intense MCU film. Like I felt like even like with things like um, Infinity War, there were some tense moments, but then there were some moments where you had these long drawn out periods where it was just like, okay, now it's more storytelling and it's like, okay, people talking, what we're going to do. And then we get to maybe a little comedic element. Then we get to another intense scene where I felt like with guardians, it was, we get to very uncomfortable intensity. And then eventually we get to humor to kind of break that tension. And then we get back to a more intense scene. So it seemed like there was this good progression of, People being tense to the point of being uncomfortable, but then we would start to see those breaks. And you could tell that um, James Gunn as a writer and as a director is very good with um, 
engaging people, making and kind of writing to get people on a journey um, that's going to invest them with their minds and is, invest them with their hearts too as they watch the film. So, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, I think if I had to do the same rating, I mean, I'd probably go 9.52 out of 10 just because there were some parts where I'm just like, eh, you know, this doesn't need to be drawn out. I think this got drawn out a little bit too long. Um, or maybe there's certain characters that I was hoping, maybe I had like higher expectations for, and that wasn't always the case. So it could be that. But, um, you know, thinking about the film and thinking about some of the thematic things that I pulled out of, especially when it relates to religion and Christianity, uh, the one big thing was this idea of identity. And kind of this idea of identity being transformed. And you mentioned it, you mentioned it earlier that, you know, you had Drax. I mean, he's Drax the Destroyer. And that has been his identity ever since that traumatic situation happened that his wife and daughter died. So he's Drax the Destroyer. And now he's Drax the Dad. Because he was able to relate to the kids, and even you know everybody kept saying, "Oh, you're you know you're just a dummy, like you're Drax." And then it's like he's the only one who can communicate with these kids that were being experimented on, and he's the only one who could talk to them and communicate with them. Where even Mantis, with her ability, it's like I don't understand this language. I don't know what this is, and yet Drax was able to know exactly what to say and get them to do what they need to do so that they could get. So that they could get um, out of danger and get in, and get to be rescued. Um, you even see the thing with um, R- with Rocket, you know, going from Rocket to P one nine, what P one nine C three? Was that his? I, I think can't, so. I, yeah, you know. And so there's that identity. You know, I'm just a, I'm just or a high evolutionary. You know, you're just a experiment to help create a more highly sophisticated race. So you're, you're, you're nothing right now. You know, you're just, you're just an experiment Um, to now, like, you know, he's now, you know, he's now the new leader of the guardians now at the end. So he went from being someone who was low and was made high. And then, um, and then I would also say just Peter with Peter Quill, because it seemed like his identity has always been running from, his identity was with the Ravagers. Now his identity is with being the leader of the Guardians. And then his identity was being with Gamora. And we you know this new version of Gamora like doesn't remember any of the relationship and the romance and stuff. And I think it was Nebula who even kind of mentioned something about, you know, Peter's grandfather and the fact that he was able to go back and kind of no longer have to be the leader anymore, or have to be Star-Lord anymore, that he can go back to just being Peter Quill. Like, there's that set idea of identity and kind of going back to who kind of we were created to be, you know, Drax wasn't created to be a destroyer. He was created to be a parent. Uh, Rocket was created to, you know, you know, he was kind of created in some ways, but we see this transformation where now he's been moved to be something better than what he was created for. Um, and I feel like when we look at the scriptures, when we think about all the times when we talk about our identity from the Old Testament of God making us wonderful and God just making us who we want to be to the New Testament where we're being transformed and we're being made into the image of Christ. Um, and it's through being the image of Christ that we see 
those transformation and changes. So there, that idea of identity was a big theme that was playing throughout that film that I felt like really connected to themes of, of spiritual identity um, and being who God has called us to be and even how who Christ transforms us to be. Yeah. I guess we can just hang up now. Yeah, that's it. No, uh, I, no. <laughs> one, of, one of the other things that I um, love about the story that the Guardians tell is that from the beginning in, in, in the first Guardians to present, like through the through volume three, you know, everything they've been through, through Infinity War, Endgame, uh, the three films, Christmas special, is that regardless of what they go through, they've all been through something, but they all come back to each other and there's always that sense of community. And they always mm. rely on each other and they need each other. And... um as much as they like, if you go back and watch Guardians One today, and look at how much they've developed as characters, um, it's it's outstanding. And um, you know, they were all out for themselves. If you look at the very first Guardians film to now, where they're like the the fact that like all Quill wanted to do was get that orb in the first uh, movie, and uh, you know, kind of break free from the Ravagers and kind of do his own thing. To, to see how much he cared about Rocket and this movie was just, it, it just tugged at your heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even like somebody like Nebula's journey, like her being just this product of Thanos and, the, you know, the daughter of Thanos being tortured by Thanos, like she relates so much to everybody in a unique way. Um, and they all have, they all kind of have that, um, want and desire to be with each other in one way, shape or form. So like one of the themes I really took out of it was, you know, the community that they've built. Mm -hmm. And like, even, even when you get to the point after guardians Two, to uh, the Christmas special and love and thunder, whatever, what little bit they were in love and thunder um, to the beginning of, of guardians three, where they end up on nowhere together. Like there's this, this sense of like, Oh, they finally like they've made it right. They're, they're, They've, they've got this compound set up that nowhere they have, um, you know, it's like they finally completed the mission, right? It's kind of like, did you watch Bad Batch? Did you watch that show? Did you finish no, that? No, not yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, season two wrapped up a couple months ago, but these guys, have you watched any of that show? No, I haven't. Okay. Okay. So anyway, the Bad Batch <laughs> is, a, is a group of soldiers that break off and they're, they're, they believe that the the rebellion is is wrong, and so they're they're um, they break away from the empire, right? And so um, they there's a point in the second season where they go to this uh, planet that's kind of like a tropical paradise kind of thing called Pabu, and they they realize that maybe we're not supposed to be soldiers anymore, maybe we're supposed to live a civilian life, and so it kind of felt like that going back to Guardians. It felt like they they finally have made it before the next big threat comes along, which is what we we expect to happen in any sort of uh, uh, superhero genre. The the idea that there will be a bad guy always lurking or a bad villain lurking, um, but they but right off the bat you see them on nowhere and it's like wow they're having a good time. They finally made it. There's they they can kind of relax, but 
all that to say, I, I really noticed the sense of community that that brought them together at the beginning of the movie, kind of through the trials, and then at the end of the movie when they all kind of you know resolve things and get things back to where they were. Um, that's why they always need each other. They're the guardians, mm -hmm. right? They're a group. They're they're a family, and so yeah, um, yeah. I don't and know and it and it even reminds me of um. I, I, my mind's drawn a blank within the scriptures where it talks about, you know, share one another's burdens and you, and by doing this, you fulfill the law of Christ. That mm -hmm. idea of, you know, the church being a community, a healing community where people can come together, just come as you are. And, you know, and that we are able to kind of do the healing work through Christ by, by communicating and being part of a community with one another. Um, and, and then just kind of to wrap up with one more theme I was thinking about just the villains, the, like the main villains that the Guardians have went through. You had, um, you had Ronan. Ronan the Destroyer, and that was, um, and you know his whole thing, his whole ideology was that you know Kree is a pure blood race, so he wants to wipe out Xandar and and do everything. And then you had Ego, who you know is destroying planets, and you know kind of this, you know this being. But then you had kind of this god in some way. And then you had the high evolutionary, which basically was someone who was playing god and using his position of power to try to create um, create perfect societies. And then you kind of realize that even this perfect society that he created in Counter-Earth is um, far less from perfect and has to like redo everything all over again. And by doing that, it's like, well, I'm just going to destroy my creation so then i can go make a new creation with a new type of race and a new type of beings to kind of create perfect societies and it made me just really think about the concept of power and the abuse of power and how with the abuse of power always you know there's no one you know i feel like when you have power that it's very easily to cause a wake of destruction in your path where people can get hurt when people are misusing power, especially for their own ideology or their own benefit versus where, you know, you had the guardians who, you know, each of them in their way was, was a leader. They each had their own ability. And sometimes, you know, even though Peter Quill was the leader and was kind of taking charge, sometimes there's times where it's like, okay, now Gamora's taking charge because we're teaming up with the Ravagers to go find the passcode to, help rocket and to save rocket versus there's times where uh Groot had to be the leader uh or Drax had to be the leader and it seemed like when there was a passing of the power and no one's holding it on and has the ego saying okay this is my power and I'm going to do whatever I want with it even though there might be some mishaps and miscommunication and stuff they still were able to get the job done they still were able to um at the end of the day, they were still a family, even though there would be some arguments or some disagreements on how to approach this marriage in a certain way. Where at the high evolutionary, it's like, it's my way or the highway. And I think even just some of the things we've been talking about and even just with, you know, the new, the, some of the docuseries, like with Hillsong, with uh, Mars Hill, and looking at these people who have misused power and just kind of the destruction that has happened from the fallout from that. Uh, it's very easily that you can see when people try to play with power, they try to 
to try to be God in some ways that it's not going to work out for anybody's benefit. It, it's always going to lead to ruin. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He was very, uh, very sinister, the high evolutionary. Yeah, and I was, and I was, and I would think I was like very skeptical about. I'm like, okay, like, man, you know. Well, the trailer did. The tra- you can never believe a trailer these days, but I don't. I don't think they did a good job of depicting how bad he was really going to be. If that makes sense. Yeah, it was almost like um, who's the uh, uh, who's the like little like Russian guy that was in the computer. Like you saw him in Captain America, the the first Avenger. Then he was in that computer thing where how Hydra infiltrated Shield. Like what was that character's name? Short guy with the glasses. I know who you're talking about, but I can't think of his name. I get, but it's that guy. It was almost like they made him out to be like this guy. Like, well, he's kind of sinister, but he's also kind of harmless too. He's not really, you know, it's like, okay, he did these experiments on people, but, uh, you know, he's not that. He's just there. And it's just like, no, like this guy, like props to that actor. And I mean, I felt like he was a much more convincing. Zola, Dr. Zola. Oh, Dr. Zola. Yeah, I felt like, the high evolutionary was probably a better villain than I've seen with Kang so far. Yeah. And we have, but I feel like, but I mean, I also feel like the way they're writing Kang's story, especially at the end of uh, Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania that, you know, there's going to be different variations of this. So we'll probably see different um, things that happen, which I guess in some ways is good because it gives the actor, Jonathan majors to, more creativity to act in certain different variants of Kang on the negative side. If all those accusations are true and they're going to have to recast Kang, it's a villain that you can easily recast as a different person because of just the variance in the nature of how, the, yeah. how, how, how this, I guess this next saga is being written. You can easily do that as well. So it's kind of a, a double blessing, I guess. <laughs> on the character of Kang to uh, Kang. But friends, that is going to be uh, us today. Thank you so much for watching. We hope you have a wonderful week and we'll be back on with another episode. Take care. (laughs) 